0: Relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis
1: and Mike McGowan. So I am beyond excitedness. I'm very, so <laughs> very excited. A little bit of a fangirl type of thing
0: because oh, no. our guest. <laughs> now this is. We'll uh, that makes I... me
2: so uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: yeah that was like i was immediately like you shouldn't have said it what you should no 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 it's a it's
2: a it's a positive i just cannot believe that people are that like into the science and it's still i mean it's it's very humbling honestly
0: (laughs) well we were like mike i'm always hounding him to be like hey who do you want to talk to i'm i like to reach out and we can and he lives in the garden, so he doesn't understand how <laughs> networking works sometimes. And he he was like, "Oh, I would love, like, I would love to talk to her." And I was like, "Okay." Like literally, while we were talking, I was like, "Yeah, hey, let's see if she'll talk to us." And I was like, "Oh, I think she's into it." And he's like, "What? Huh? Uh, and how do you so, do that? You so- just
1: ask people. You just..."
0: Well, and, and it's like store. people when he gets excited too, it makes me excited because he knows so much more. And the and the cutting edge is what what really Mike understands in a way that I will probably never understand. And then when he explained what you do and are about, I got really excited because there's just not a lot of research and people doing what you do. And as soon as I tried to I'll try to explain it on this it'll just make this whole thing confusing so i'm gonna let you
2: (laughs) all right let's let's think about it okay so one thing i want to touch on before we get started i suppose is that whenever people say that we like need more research i think that all scientists have to say that because if we don't say that then how are we going to get funding for for the (laughs) research so on one hand we always say like oh yeah we need tons more research and and i do agree that um there are things about cannabis that I'm going to spend my life researching it. Right. I mean, there's, we need more research, but on the flip side, I'm just going to throw out the alternative perspective that there are thousands and thousands of documented years of cannabis use. And there's only like 30 years of documented use of some of the other pharmaceuticals that we like just kind of take at face value. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, To like try to bring to the forefront is that like cannabis is this ancient medicine and so i think there needs to be more research but on the flip side i also think that like i mean i uh, i'm good with smoking it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like-
1: well, I think for me personally, like I'm a hardcore organic farmer. And one of the things I love the most about organic farming is a lot of it is practices and things that have been a part of human culture for thousands of years. And then it, we didn't really know why we were doing it. And it wasn't until we got microscope out and actually started studying things and realized it like, you know, for it's common practice to do compost teas. You do compost teas and everybody's like, oh, you just make mud dirt magic. And it's like, and then we took a microscope and we actually investigated and we know why it's so beneficial. And
0: that's why some people's mud is better than other people's mud.
2: <laughs> not all not all mud is equal, that's mm-hmm. for sure. But it's, I I agree. It's like this thing where you look underneath and then you see why. But we've also just been doing things for so long. So my research topic um, at my company, Smoke and All, is about researching the chemical composition that happens when you smoke cannabis flower. So high temperatures like a bong, a bowl, a blunt, a joint, Um, these higher temperatures are chemical reactions. Every time you light up flower, or even when you're dabbing for that matter, like anything that occurs at like higher than about 200 degrees Fahrenheit, which is around like 90 degrees Celsius, Um, you're going to have some forms of transformation now, like normally, um, right now, most people talk about it as degradation or just like taking THC or CBD and turning it into something that's inactive and that doesn't work necessarily. But you know, that's not actually what's happening. The chemistry of that is not true. It's not just taking THC and deactivating it. It's turning it into a number of different things that are really, really similar. Like one of the easiest things to point out would be um, cannabinol or CBN, which is very, very similar to THC, but feels very, very different. And that's one of the reasons why smoking feels so different. And one of the reasons why smoking is just the best. And... It has so much to do with like strain specificity. And so I was really excited to jump on here and talk to growers and cultivators because you appreciate the flower.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, I am quite the nerd for flower. A lot of concentrates I'm not even really all that excited about, you know, um, not to say that any of that is bad. You know, I love a good rosin, a good solventless type of thing. But for me, it's always been the flower, mainly because of how beautiful it is. I spend months of my life trying to make it as beautiful as possible. But, um, you know, for me, it really is. It has a completely different effect. And, you know, when we talk about stuff like the polyhybrids that are, you know, what you're going to find most times, you know, there's definitely a whole like, "Eh, maybe, maybe. But I've smoked straight land races. And the high that you get from land races are completely different than anything you could ever imagine. Even doing concentrates of that same land race, and I think that's a very important thing to be aware of—just how much different and three-dimensional the high is. I can talk for hours about that. Going into how explain you explain actually... what
0: you mean by three-dimensional high,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know just what you mean. Exactly. I mean, I think, I
0: think I do. But well, right,
1: I
2: mean, there... you... no, yeah. you go. What do you? What do you mean? And then I'll tell you what I think you mean.
1: Because I mean, and I think a lot of times it goes into the idea of things not being so separated, but separating it sometimes to know the difference because I've smoked just straight diamonds, THCA, just straight diamonds, and that has a very one-dimensional high for me. Yes. But when you're smoking actual flower i've gotten more high out of flower that probably tested out around 18 percent than straight diamonds of thc and it has a more combinational effect like especially and you've seen it yourself billy when we smoke um what was that strain the wisco kid grew um uh
0: headband
1: headband
2: oh good one good one good for headaches
1: Yeah, but it really is. And the fact that it's named after that has its own thing, but it really is, it gets me high right in, you know, my temples. Like it it gets me temples and it has such a specific head high. And, you know, a lot of times different highs hit you in very specific body ways and different things like that. Um, As of recently, I've been smoking a strain called Curious George. Um, and, um, it's one of the best sativas I've ever smoked. I'm a huge sativa fan. I know, (laughs) but I mean, even the sativas, a lot of times are going to be more closer to land races just because people are kind of, you know, dealing with that on its own front. But, um, you know, it gives me a whole much more upbeat high and, you know, I, it's just the straight flower. It's
2: so. Yeah, so I think like what I am hearing, which is a really cool way of explaining that um, is that like when you said THCA crystals, so I've never dabbed that, but I've had Marinol, which was like THC isolate Mm -hmm. in a pill form. Edibles are this way also for me because a lot of, well, at least dispensary edibles are usually made using distillate, which means that like dispensary edibles are mostly just THC. There's like nothing else in it except for THC. So dispensary edibles like uh, the Marinol experience, also um, low temperature dry herb vaping, um, low temperature dabbing, those things all to me fall under this category of like closer to a one dimensional feeling. Um, And that's because you have one molecule. You're really, you're really ingesting THC in the case of edibles, your body will change it into your body, like metabolizes it through the liver and changes THC into a new molecule but it still is only one. It's it's 11-hydroxy THC and it's only one molecule. So it's one dimensional because you have this one molecule flying around your your body and your brain having this effect versus you know when you smoke flour, there are 300 to 400 different unique molecules in mm-hmm. every flower and the even with the same genetics you can have different growing conditions you could have different buds on the same plant that are going to be different depending on how much light they got, depending if you topped them right. Like the, the nugs are all different. And then you have the dry cure and how you dry and cure the plant changes. All of these things are changing the actual chemicals. It's changing the molecules in the plant. And you know that based on how it smells and how it looks, but also how it smells like it smells different the day you chop it down from the day that you're ready to smoke it. That's why fresh frozen products are, you know are, are different and when you smoke flower you have those 300 to 400 different molecules and they are exploding into <laughs> and interacting with each other you're making a chemical reaction and you get a firework effect and you know just like fireworks they're all different colors and all different things and you have more molecules in your body and so you have more systems being altered and activated at the same time. So what you're describing is like having that head feeling, having a body feeling, you know, having like um, losing time, being giggly or euphoric, Um, temperature changes, like feeling temperature changes in your body, like being hungry. Like there are all these different effects. And that's what I thought when you were explaining it about being three dimensional. And then for me, I'm saying, I totally agree. And even out of 3D, if we could like even think about it for a second, like it's more than 3D. It is like 100D, you know, it is like, (laughs) it's like these all have a different effect, which is why you get a certain strain with a different terpene profile and a different percentage of cannabinoids and you, you know, you get that different feeling. I I would agree that my sweet spot for flour is somewhere between 10 and 18% and like a very specific terp profile, like...
0: <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah how do so, you get around this is a where do you live
2: i'm in massachusetts
0: okay i was gonna what's your address i'm just kidding um <laughs> <laughs> why well, are you gonna yeah, send me something I, <laughs> send me something good uh, i would like to um uh, <laughs> i was already mad at at mike for being like there's this new sativa i've been spoke called curious george i was like you have my address motherfucker <laughs> um, <laughs> but i was just curious because i don't know in mass i've never i haven't been there in a while can you we can't, in Cali, get, we can't smell it. And it really just. It's, it sucks. It's, it's just a game. You're, it's just a guessing game.
2: Yeah. So, unfortunately, we can't either, which is, I I really don't like that. But there are certain dispensaries around here. Actually, one specifically. But I don't like to, like, promote it or whatever. But I will say that there's a dispensary in Massachusetts that if people are looking for a dispensary that is informative on terpenes, they should look for a dispensary in Massachusetts that focuses on terpenes, like so much that the word terpene is in the name of this dispensary. (laughs) Um, And it's really cool. It's It's an interesting and cool experience where you go in and they have on the wall, um, you know, they they don't have like the the terpenes listed out because no one wants to be like, oh yeah, give me some of that beta lane. I mean, <laughs> some, I mean, like some some people. There's there's definitely, and a lot of them are people who like are vibing with my stuff. Like I'm sure you're one of them, Mike. I can I can tell. <laughs> but like, well, but, I was
1: about to jump on, but continue, <laughs> continue, continue,
2: continue. No, sorry. Okay, I'm gonna wrap it up. I talk forever. No, but, no, talk, no. please. I'm enjoying this, <laughs> but I am,
1: I'm very much a labradoodle right now just tail wagon excited about <laughs> all <of> this
2: <laughs> so so like you know The terpenes, there's there's a huge, they're a huge class of molecules and there's a bunch of them. And like some people might know like, oh yeah, I like limonene. Like, for example, if you like things that have the word orange or tangerine in the name, like I'm smoking right now, like orange, vanilla, Milano, or like tangerine, Haze, like things that have orange or tangerine in the name, they usually have limonene or uh, terpenilene present in them those are two terpenes that have that like fruity citrusy smell versus like um pinene will have that like piney smell so they they're the smells and yeah it totally sucks that you can't smell flower because the nose knows like the nose definitely (laughs) knows and um but this dispensary instead what they do is they have the flower up there and they have highlighted which one of the smells it has it's like oh it's gassy with a little bit of citrus or it's like and i mean it's not perfect because you can't smell them but it like gives you an idea of at least what you're getting into because in addition to the genetics you get like a, a good picture of what that terp profile is and i really like the way that they're doing it i think that's the i think the future is to tell people hey figure out do you like gassy skunky do you like heavy do you like cheese um, you know, or, or do you like, or do you like fruity, like floral piney? Like I gravitate towards that. That's my personal thing. But I, I mean, I, I like it all at different times. They all have their, you know, benefits.
0: That's what I was well, about to say. I was like, I mean, it, I'm real moody. Cause sometimes yeah. like, we have that like, comment. You were like, I don't know right now. I just need to listen to my body. So put a bunch, open a bunch of jars. <laughs>
1: just let me smell everything. And that's one of the nice things about Oregon is we can smell the jars. They had stopped because of COVID and everything, of course, but now we're back to just sniffing all the jars. My heart's very excited about that. But um, uh, the one thing I did get excited about is me and my one friend who is also a grower, we just took one of the vape pens and you could actually dial in the temperature on it while you were smoking the flour. So we were dialing it in specifically to each terpene on the terpene test to smoke the different terpenes at the different temperatures. And you could for sure feel a difference off of the same strain, just really highlighting those terpenes and burning it off at that, you know, correct temperature, but it was exquisite.
2: <laughs> That's really interesting. I mean, th- I think that the the future of cannabis is going to be understanding the flower. I think that people who, well, maybe I'm ex- extremely biased also because like I, I love flowers. So, like, <laughs> but I mean like everyone that I talk to loves flower. Like I, I, I don't know, whenever we're talking to anyone, we're like, you know, we talk about, so, you know, my company, we make an extract. We make an extract that can be put into edibles and other things, but we, we made it because we wanted one that's like more similar to flower right? Like right now, when you make an extract, you're taking what's in the raw plant, but no one's, no one, when you take the raw plant and smoke it, those aren't the same molecules. (laughs) Like, so that's why, that's one of the reasons why those extracts are, are so different because they're taking, it's like eating the raw plant. I mean, a decarbed, you know, raw plant as opposed to smoking it and smoking it has so many like unique effects like you're saying like headband like many of these strains have associated effects with them that are like very very distinctive like i mean that it's usually in their name like right like green crack is like so energizing they put crack in its name like it's like, and not to
1: be this guy, but just even as a cultivator, I've noticed that, especially with the OG strange, the older ones, before they became kind of so polluted, um, a lot of times the plants grew exactly as the physical effects that it would have on the body, you know, definitely like the chem dog and stuff like that, all those ones kind of make my brain feel a little bit more bubbly and everything going on, if you look at the bud structure, it looks exactly like a little Bubbles of buds coming to the surface. And so that's always been interesting to me.
2: I love a nice floofy structure on on flower. I do not like when the flower becomes like a dense little rock. Like...
1: so we do we do smoking a's where on our patreon we have our listeners hang out smoke with us and they'll send us pictures and such and um, i'll usually talk about what i can see based upon the bud on probably the way that was cultivated and a lot of times when that's happening it's just way too much potassium overfeeding of phosphorus and stuff like that and so like when it really gets into kind of the cultivation aspect side of it anytime you're feeding with these hard core nutrients and really trying to push the plants to its limits i feel like a lot of times you're actually smoking the nutrients more than you're actually smoking the plant um Not Yeah. And it's sad because some of the things are actually not what I would consider fit for human consumption. <laughs> but um, back in my grow shop days, I could actually smell a flower and if they hadn't done their job correctly, I could tell which nutrient line they were using to cultivate the flower instead of the flowers actually natural, um, you know, uh, profile.
2: Yeah, the other the scientist on my team, Dr. Riley Kirk always says that the plant makes um, these molecules in the natural ratio. And I feel like what you're describing is when we when we push the plant to its limits, like we're trying to really like, oh, let's get as much of it out of it as possible. It's like, almost like you know, giving steroids to animals, like, I really don't like, you know, it's like, no, like, let's just make it the way that it should be. (laughs) You know, (laughs) There's there's nothing wrong with, there's there's nothing wrong with, like, good quality. I mean, I haven't had really, um, I shouldn't say haven't had, but um, it's complicated. I have a complicated opinion about, like, displaying percentages of THC on on flour um, in the market space and what it's doing to the industry. And I get that there is a positive to people knowing how much THC is in the flower, but most people are trying to, like, save money because it's expensive. So they go into the dispensary, It's you're out 50 bucks, 60 bucks, no matter what, and you're like, all right, I'm going to get the one with the most THC because that is what I think is going to be the best bang for my buck and like the, the best money, but it's probably likely to be the worst experience on that shelf. So it's like, at least in, in my opinion, it's not always the case. That's not like always true, but typically high THC means like low terpene profile and dry, like really, really dry and not a lot of terps because the drier it is, the less water it is the more percentage THC there will be. So like you have like a really, like a really dank, moist nug, It's going to have a lot of water in it. I think the water percentage of like, is it can be up there into like 20%. I, correct me if I'm wrong with that one. What is, so, what is so the dry twenty I mean, percent?
1: Yeah, I mean, so we even had this issue um, at many farms that I've worked at is the water activity, especially here in Oregon, the water activity, you know, they want it, you know, relatively shelf stable, which is important to make sure things aren't molding out. But to me into a level that's not good. And the drier it is, the higher your numbers, that's just across the board. But like even something at 11 or 12% water activity in the actual buds, if it just even dropped to 9 percent water activity that would be a five percent thc swing on it easily which is astounding and annoying too because it's not so much of the bud actually not being ready for it it's just you know the water activity i mean even my friend adam Jackeds he Bred the highest testing C B D strain in the world. It's called Frank's Gift. I'll always shout him out because it's wonderful medicine. But you know, he has he has his own lab himself and he's taken an entire cola, a branch, sort of like what you talked about earlier. And off of that same cola, there will be a nine point THC swing on that cola of it all cured it all going through the same process. So,
0: how 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 hold up. Hold up. So, how do they get away with just being like this one's 38%?
2: <laughs> you're supposed to take a representative average. Like usually you're supposed to take and test like you grab four things I think from like an area. But I th- I also think it depends on the state. Um, so,
1: so what I will say is yes, that is what it's written into law. I do <laughs> know that when <laughs> Like, like any parts of humanity, when there's great money to be made depending upon THC percentages, there's many times I've seen stuff that has 40%. I'm like, are you serious? And then even here in my lovely home state, I will never name names um, because, you know, ride or die stitches, you know, go to snitches. Um, But you can see there are labs where it's like, oh, that's, that, that weeds 45% THC. And I don't even see like four trichomes on it. That's weird.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. My, like, so... My business partner, Andy is like a really talented home grower. So I have just been treated like like Just, just a, a real treat because the other thing that I really don't, the other thing that I get picky about with flour is the trim, um, how people go about trimming the, but I'm also, I'm from Cali originally also. And so like, you know, there's a lot West coast, cannabis culture is very, very different than yes. East coast cannabis culture we are much newer out here like like newer meaning like not as good oh well okay hold on wait (laughs) let me me (laughs) retract that
1: shop in philly you don't have to
0: dance around (laughs) let me
2: retract that statement not not as good um immature i think that's that's the word that i would use to describe it we are we are an immature um side because it just you know the culture just got started a little later and so the market got started a little bit later and so there's all you know growing pains going on with with everyone um and it's just it's more difficult to grow outdoors here so there there's also that um we get like really really humid falls and then it's just like do crazy crazy do in the in the morning
0: <laughs> Your mold loves that mold loves that. oh yeah
2: <laughs> oh yeah and that's one of the problems we have around here i mean that's one of the reasons why uh it, it's difficult Uh, around here even if you're indoors even if you're growing indoors i mean the humidity in the summer here also it gets up to like it's it's crazy it gets up to like 80 something percent humidity (laughs) humidity that's
1: why as a 350 pound kid i moved out of new jersey as soon as possible i was like (laughs) i can't live in this humidity it's just not happening
2: you know everyone told me about the cold like, when I moved out to the East Coast, everyone told me about, about the cold. They were like, it's going to be cold, it's going to be cold, it's going to be cold. And then I, it was it was cold. It's cold, honestly. But um, it is nothing on the sweltering humidity and stickiness that is just, like, walking out of your door and feeling like you're the dirtiest piece. <laughs> you're the dirty sock that, like, has been sweated into for, like, five days. And then you go home and shower and then get out of the shower and your apartment's so humid that, like, you're only a slightly less damp sock.
0: It is. <laughs> I grew up in Tennessee, so that is. It was a hundred percent humidity. <laughs> every, I mean, it was just was kind of wet all the time.
2: Yeah. So the the crazy thing about humidity, this is just a something that we still are looking into and researching. But it's it's funny because it it affects the way that that you burn. Like, think about how like smoking joints is like so good in the winter. Like it's dry in the winter, (laughs) really, really dry outside and cold.
0: Yeah. We noticed in Denver, you didn't need You don't really need a grinder when you're in Colorado (laughs) because you're you're up high.
2: It's a desert. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: And I can tell you at the facility that I work now, we have a huge, um, you know, joint rolling machine. And like, even with it, it's like, we got to do lower humidity on some of this stuff just to get it. And it's like, yep, yep. That's part of the game. That's part of the deal
2: yeah it's it's fascinating because the humidity um and the water activity and the moisture content which also just really quick like i just learned this the other day so i'm all excited to share it with everyone but but moisture content is like the total percentage of moisture in the flower and then water activity is just around the outside like it it only has to do with like the ability of it to like go bad or you know whatever and it it's fascinating to me because um it affects the burn and it's known to, it's known to affect the the burn, right? That's why people are like, oh yeah, I want that dank, you know. Like if not, then you'd be like, oh yeah, I want that dry and crusty. Like no one's like, like
0: no one. is it brick? Can you put it in a brick form?
2: Yeah, that's that's what I want. Yeah. Get me that get me that one that like crumbles into dust, and I, you know, like so, no one says so. that.
1: So as much of what, you know, the cannabis industry has been, you know, in my garage grower science, um, I do full plant curing where we literally just cut at the base of the plant and then we hold the entire plant up and we allow it to dry out that way and making sure that it slowly dries from, you know, the inside out basically. And in my brain, and I'm sure this is not real or whatever, but it's pulling a lot of the can- cannabinoids and secondary uh, cannabinoids and sugars and everything into the buds. And I'm sure that's not real, but that's what I think of. And I can just say, curing full plant has always made my stuff taste better and I fully feel that way
2: so first of all like nothing that happens in the brain is either real or unreal but I'm not going to go down that I won't go down that (laughs) rabbit hole because that's like I mean if you think about how every single thing that we see feel touch and hear is interpreted in the brain and so like what even is reality it's that that's like just it's it my it blows my mind so when you say that it's not real it's like well it is just as real as every other unreal <laughs> every <laughs> other unreal thing that is like nothing is real but um no, like one of the things that I was fascinated about the dry cure, which I think there needs to be way more research done on dry cure. My my business partner, Andy, and I, that was our first research project together. Like this is very near and dear to like our hearts. We were like, yo, someone should do some research on the dry cure. Dr. Allison Justice and Dr. Marcus Rogan have, shout out to both of them. They're very cool people. If you want to look up what has been done, um, there's a little bit of research that they've published on The dry cure. I can't remember if it was ever published in the peer review, but we were able to find a either a poster or a PowerPoint presentation on like how the drying cure affects the cannabinoids and the terpenes that are present. Um, And it certainly, it certainly does. I mean, and you're thinking about whole plant dry curing, you really get this like, um, like the leaves kind of form like a protective layer. They kind of fold in over the flower. They Um, Andy calls it – he calls it banana peeling, I think, is what he calls it. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to ask him tomorrow because now it's going to bug me. I didn't get it right. But I think he calls it banana peeling where, like, it's like the peel on a banana and that – helps the you know in the dry and cure process and there's so many different ways that you can dry and cure and ways that we haven't really experimented yet if you think about alcohol different types of alcohol are dried and cured i mean dried not so much like it's liquid (laughs) but but different types (laughs) of alcohol are are cured for sure like wines are all cured and aged whiskey bourbon specifically something like my um, dad brought
0: this up i was talking to him about the curing process because he drinks, he's, he drinks bourbon. He drinks George Dickel. Um, he did drink Jack Daniels, but they changed the proof, and he's like, they can't tell me that it didn't change the taste, and I was like, they can't, <laughs> Um But when I was talking to him about the curing, he was like, oh, it sounds a lot like whiskey, mm-hmm. how they do whiskey, and he started explaining. I was like, oh, it is really, it is similar. And I've played, and because stand-up, you can do it anywhere, and no one respects it. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've done a like breweries and all kinds of stuff and the one of the places i play in atlanta is a whiskey distillery it's not great for sound but it looks cool and <laughs> the guy showed me a lot of it and the whole time i was like it just i mean he was my dad was you know geeking out but the whole time i was like oh it's like weed cool <laughs> he didn't like that the atlanta it, guy did not he was like oh no.
2: man <laughs> I would be like, yeah, it definitely is. And There's so, <laughs> there's so much unexplored, there's so much unexplored, like things that we could do with curing cannabis that just like, it, we haven't tried, you know, we haven't tried doing the things that we do with all, all sorts of other things. Like what, what we do, we're describing alcohol. We're talking about storing it in barrels that then like imbibes it with extra things that weren't there before. Like bourbon is, I think, oak. I believe, mm-hmm. I believe bourbon is Oak that you're, you're leaching you're leaching molecules out of the Oak into the whiskey. And that's what makes it bourbon instead of regular whiskey. And I mean, with cannabis, we're talking about preserving what's already there. Um, but yeah, the air matters, the environment matters. And there's, there's many different ways to go about it. Now there's probably tons of fancy equipment. I'm, I'm sure there's like a million companies that are like mine is the, the best way of doing it, but.
1: You would hope, but a lot of it's just like, let's dry these massive amounts of plant matter that we have this biomass and dry it as quick as possible. And I'm just like, you guys, that hurts my feelings. I mean, just even the idea of, you know, because for me, it's a lot of Terps, like that's the most important thing. And you're just spending all this time trying to cultivate it. And then we've talked about this a lot on this podcast is the, you can grow the greatest weed in the world, but just as far as a cure, you could fuck it all up and you could really destroy everything that you're doing. And, you know, that's real facts.
0: That would so be you, so did, heartbreaking. You did research on curing?
2: No. So, well, so my I'm business partner, my business me. partner, Andy, and I, no, no, don't, don't say that. But my my business partner, Andy, and I, um, we first got together thinking, oh, we should definitely try and go. We should try to do some dry cure research. And we were, like, really interested in doing it. Um, But it does turn out that in an immature, I'm calling it an immature market, Um, In immature markets, um, it doesn't actually matter the quality of your cannabis like whatsoever, (laughs) because um, in, in this market that we're currently in, like flour is a shortage, although that is changing. That's like slowly but surely changing, which is like great, because as long as flour is a shortage and like flour has like high demand and then like not enough flour to meet that demand. Um, then that means that like you could make any type of flour and it it doesn't even matter. And so like, who cares about the dry cure because the quality of the flour doesn't matter, which is like, um, thankfully, you know, it's in the process of like being changing. I mean, there've been people who've been trying to change it for a long time. There's always been high quality, like there's high quality everywhere. I'm not trying to like pick on anyone or anything. I am just saying that in immature markets, like it doesn't matter what the quality is because everyone's going to buy crappy stuff if that's the only thing that's that's available um and so it didn't it it didn't really pan out um into the way that like in the future i still think it would be well worth doing but research is very expensive so let's maybe i'll take like a moment to just talk about that um the level of research that I do also is actually – that I used to do um, during my PhD is, like, absurd. Just the amount of money that you need to, like, outfit a lab is just um, – it, it's not reasonable, and it's one of the reasons why, like, pharmaceuticals cost so much money and end up being, like, you know, $2 billion before they get to market or something. Um, but research itself, in in general, is expensive because, I mean, the equipment is expensive. Um, the laboratory space is like needs to be a very specific space with like ventil- proper ventilation, proper, like safety measurements and like electricity and stuff. And like all of that is not like normal. It has to either be built that way or you have to pay rent on it that way, which means it's expensive. And then you have to have someone who does the research. So like manual labor, like that's expensive. Typically people who do research are like kind of expensive, <laughs> like, and there's, there's this other barrier where then it's like time time and materials and like that's all expensive so like why would you spend money on research if you could like not spend money on research (laughs) which is like probably one of the bigger struggles and and why my business partner and I ended up you know going into business together Um, and having our own research startup company that did the research that we wanted to do was mostly about um, being patients Um, I'm not gonna tell too much about Andy's story but uh, both of us are our patients and we have chronic disorders and I use cannabis every single day. I have chronic pain and GI issues and mental health issues and all three of those things are like one and the same to me because usually like one flare of one will start up the other ones. Like my most recent thing was I had a GI issue and then it started up being like, Oh my gosh, is this ever going to go away? (laughs) like It's like going to be here forever. And then because you're having a GI issue, like you're you stop doing other things and then now you all of a sudden have joint pain. And it's anyway, it's it's one of those things where like patients and people who use the plant, like, I think, um, I, we want a certain thing out of the, out of the market because that's what we're seeking. Like we are trying to do better and, I specifically did my PhD because I wanted to understand, like, the medicinal value of the plant fully and just how beautiful it is. And when I did understand it fully, I then took a look at, like, where I thought the industry was going. And I think that there's many, many good things happening in the industry, certainly. Um, But we also have not fully legalized or decriminalized cannabis in all of the U.S. states, which is absurd. (laughs) <laughs> um, so we're not done yet with that. There are so many people who are lacking access right now to a medicine that, that could help them. And that makes me upset. So we're not done there. And we're also not done creating options for different experiences in, in cannabis. And right now we're cultivating a lot of the same experiences, like in terms of all the like new products and like innovations I'm excited for. I, I always get excited for, for innovations and for, and new, new things. Um, What I didn't really see and what my business partner and I didn't see was something for us, which is people who, you know, use cannabis every day and like really believe in its medicinal value, but also believe in the power of the plant and do research on specifically smoking. I know that there's a lot of stigma around smoking, and I know as a scientist, I'm kind of putting myself up on a, I don't know what the metaphor is, I'm blanking on it, but I'm not saying that smoking is good um i i can't say that because i don't know i don't know if it's bad either i think that there's a lot of research that has been said that it's bad but that's been paid for by people who want to say that it's bad because research gets paid for by people like my entire phd was funded by nida the national institute for drugs of abuse um and i was like researching the endocannabinoid. i was researching The system in the brain that interacts with cannabis so that I could develop or I could I could help develop um, new synthetic cannabinoids that target the system specifically for like opioid substance use disorders. And like I had a crisis, honestly, had a mental crisis being like there's like over 300 cannabinoids. Actually, last I checked, it's like 300 total in the in the plant, but over 150 documented cannabinoids um, that we know that's the ones that we know of. Right. And I I would rather, you know, I'd rather look at that. And in terms of, you know, what my company does, we want to look at what's good about the smoking and we're not saying smoking is good. We're just saying that there is some good and we should, we should like look at it. (laughs) Like we should, (laughs) we should try and figure it out because it, you know, there is some really, really good benefits for certain strains. And I think it's undeniable that flour is king and like nothing's gonna beat flower in my opinion i know some people disagree with me on that one but
1: um <clears> nobody on it... this
0: podcast <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i was just it made me laugh too because like we keep talking about flower and how much we all love it and i was like one of the trips we took uh we went to a really dope we went to a couple of dope labs and uh they gave us a bunch of dabs and like a bunch like a bunch of I still got all of them. And (laughs) it it made me laugh. I was like, any flower we get is gone within a week. And I was like, and I've had this, these dabs for like, like a year or so. So like, it is (laughs) like, I don't, I think I always noticed that people that dug, that that dug the, uh, the extract more lived in states where access to flour was harder or it was louder so they quietly started being like i just like this better and they're like yeah because it's less stressful that makes sense
2: (laughs) that makes total sense because the stigma of flour and smoking and the smell of smoking and like the smell of like i mean it's interesting because extracts, like I have nothing against them. And some people certainly benefit a ton from them. But, you know, we haven't had extracts like available in the amount that it's available now in in the sheer percentages of it. Like this is another unknown. I mean, and I, I think it's a fine unknown. It's, it's something like we could embrace and look into. But I think that it's much more difficult to abuse flour. Um, because it is possible for people to develop negative relationships with cannabis. It happens. Um, I don't I don't think it's as likely to happen as with other molecules or drugs that are way more addictive that we readily accept in our lives, like coffee and alcohol. Um, but it can it can happen and I feel like that's one thing that I feel about with the concentrates versus the flour is that like we should destigmatize flour. Well, we should destigmatize flour because it's the best, Um, but in addition to it just being the best, we should destigmatize it because, in my opinion, it has the highest medicinal value. It has – that's just my opinion. Um, It's very, very unique. Tons of people find unique effects from flour that they don't find from other things, which is why people still smoke. And. It depends. I mean, I know that there's still a lot of stigma out there, but there are medical doctors like practicing physicians who will acknowledge that it's a real medical application. There's a real medical application for it. And it it's just it's very it's very real. And um, the flower, the people who like gravitate away from flower to concentrates again. Another thing is, is about tolerance. They're developing a really, really high tolerance to THC now that happens when you use flour that's like too high in thc because if you use a flower that doesn't have that's like super dry and what are we saying these 40 percenters i don't even know if i believe that um, it's
1: not real it's not real
2: <laughs> but even even let's say let's say some of these ones that are pushing 30 right the like like a super high percentage thc flower really dry no terpenes And you're smoking it and you're getting a lot of THC, your brain is the receptors in your brain are interacting with that THC. When there's a lot of THC and not a lot of other stuff going on, your brain is going to recycle those receptors. It recycles the receptors back down. And that's why you get tolerance. You get tolerance when your brain gets tired of THC. (laughs) It's like your brain is just like, oh man, you're really bombarding me with THC. I'm going to. I'm going to recycle the receptors. It actually removes receptors. Like it it will take them away from you and be like, be like, Oh, you're using way too much of this THC. I'm going to take away these receptors. So now you can't feel it. Ha ha. Because it, it like your brain is like, telling you like this is too much THC that's happening and that's why you get tolerance then you need then you need more THC to feel the same effect and eventually with tolerance you get to the point where you maybe don't get the same effects anymore because you have too high of a tolerance now a certain amount of tolerance I think is okay I have a I I keep a tolerance I like never take a tolerance break ever never um I just smoke every day, but I keep my tolerance at a constant level that is relatively low. And I just like monitor it. Like this week, actually, my tolerance is building a little bit. I need to smoke a little less, like overall, like just like, just overall, I need to smoke a little less until I realize it goes away. Probably like a week or two, I don't have to stop smoking. I just have to smoke less than I have been for the last like four days.
1: So so then what's happening during a tolerance break? What's uh, going on? Do we know you. yet, or do we oh, not know?
0: You can st- a- if you guys need a guinea pig. <laughs> well, what's me.
2: so, so what's happening during a tolerance break is basically that your brain is super unhappy. But, like, if you think, if you think about <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, um, it is, it's like, hey,
0: <laughs> dickhead, we doing, man. We're happy.
2: <laughs> okay. So, think about it like, like, um, uh, maybe the crutches or training wheels is like a good something that you you start relying upon and then you forget that it's even there like i'm trying to think of a good analogy for this but i'm, I'm blanking on it but your brain starts to get used to that you're going to get thc which is why so when you build that tolerance your brain is taking away receptors let's say you started out with 10 receptors. It's like 10 billion. It's way more than that, but let's say it's 10. You start out with 10 receptors. Then you start smoking. You're smoking high THC stuff every day. It's down to five receptors. Then you're like, your tolerance is higher. So you're smoking twice as much THC because you only have half as many receptors. Then your brain's saying, oh, I'm even more tired. Now you only have two receptors left. There's not that many and you're like, "Ah oh, shit, I'm wasting too much money. I need to take a tolerance break." So, then if you cold turkey, just take a tolerance break. Your brain only has two receptors when it's supposed to have 10. Like it like it's supposed to have 10 of them there and now it only has two. So when you take that tolerance break, that's why you get like insomnia, you know, some people get like irritability, some people get a lack of appetite. Um, really, really severe cases of people will get like nausea and, and stuff. And actually there is a more recent like negative side effect that I think is being fear mongered the hell out of, but it does exist. I know what
0: you're talking about. Um, I know what you're going to say, the vomit thing.
2: Yep. I was going to say CHS, uh, cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, cyclic vomiting. It is being way, over the top like fear mongered and out there it seems like there's like very specific people that but on the flip side of it it is linked to tolerance and THC and it, and it does make sense and from what I've seen people are not using flower um
1: so to hop on really quick you yeah. know not to be this conspiratory type of dude but um a lot of people have talked about that being an asidactrin. Uh, issue more than anything else uh, as a doctrine from neem and everything like that using that that's kind of been a cannabis staple of this in- industry and like i try to tell people all the time like all neurotoxins work on carbon-based life forms the same way and you know it builds up in your system and if it kills a bug you know it's not going to be the best for your body either so there is some people saying that
2: i i I think that that's I think that that's highly possible. I don't know that that's the full one hundred percent story for everything. Like also, also full disclosure about the people saying that it's fatal. I've actually read the case studies of I read the case studies of the people who died from supposedly CHS or cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, and in those case studies, every single person um, that has passed away from it, and I believe there's been two maybe three, I can't remember how many case studies I read, but I do remember that they were on tons of other drugs. So there's like, there's also that going on, right? Like it, it's very, very complicated. People who are presenting with CHS are generally on either psychopharmaceuticals or like like heavy psychopharmaceuticals or other recreational drugs and or on top of that are dabbing like grams upon grams upon grams of concentrate per day. Um, just like extreme examples of tolerance, Right. Uh, oh, yeah, and that's where we started. So let me go back just really quickly. Talk about- <laughs> so then when you uh, when you are that's that's one of the reasons, though, is that when you take that away from your body, your body has adjusted like your brain has made an adjustment, th- like it is expecting you to bring in that THC. So when it doesn't, it feels kind of empty. And it will be lacking that and that's what you get. You're, you're off balance. So our brains are always doing this thing. It's like a dance, really. It's really complicated. Um, And it's called homeostasis, and it's just all about balance. Homeostasis is just just the balance of being alive. It takes a lot to keep this alive. It takes a lot (laughs) to keep us going. And our brains are constantly, I mean, right now, every single moment, they are taking in what happened an hour ago what happened 24 hours ago what happened you know a week ago what happened a month ago and they're projecting what should we do to change the brain to be in balance tomorrow next week, next month, next year. Our brains have short-term changes, it has long-term changes, and every single thing that we do, from playing music and hanging out with your friends and relaxing, to like being really stressed out at at work, or going for like a walk, or like depending even what you eat, to smoking cannabis, like these are all things that change the environment of your brain, and so then it is, your brain then decides like not even, Deciding, but your brain then takes that change and then takes it into account moving forward. So we are all of us right now in this space in our brains between what we were yesterday and what we're going to be tomorrow. And then tomorrow it'll start all over again. And that's and what's here's taunt. the
0: cool thing people don't realize you can make it do where the fuck you want it to, too. True. <laughs> people don't believe that, but you can. It's oh, it's, it's, it's it takes it's a little been, work, but you can figure it. This, it's. it's Ah, I love this podcast. This is the best episode we've ever <laughs> oh, <laughs> No,
1: e- like even referencing, I really enjoyed, you know, your videos on Instagram about neurodiversity and the Veterans Day one that you did on PTSD. You know, our friend Justin, you know, he's a veteran with PTSD and dealing with cannabis and other stuff in the past. And, you know, just, you know, there's a lot of people out there searching for ways on how to deal with. You know a lot of these things and your brain is just constantly being like what should i do next how can i get back to homeostasis
2: cannabis is such an important tool for that and i really want to just like if i had a soapbox that i was gonna preach on for, for something it's that everyone is so psyched and like excited for psychedelic therapy and i am too i mean the research is really positive there's a lot of positive information so far coming out and there's tons and tons of positive like experience in traditional medicine for thousands and thousands of years, but it's the same way with cannabis. And I just think it's interesting because like everyone is kind of like forgetting about the benefits of cannabis for mental health. And that's something that, um, it's a touchy subject. This is a very, very contentious thing, right. To talk about, um, you know, most people are saying, most doctors are saying that cannabis is like, you should stay away from it if you suffer from a mental health disorder, right? Like that you should be worried about it. And on the flip side, I think that you have, I think that there's tons that you can benefit while also needing to understand that maybe you are more vulnerable to some of the negative effects. And it's just all about understanding that balance of the pros and the cons. Like it's funny you mentioned PTSD, well, not funny. I'm sorry. That's like I don't. It's very mean, funny.
0: PTSD is some hilarious. Some people, some people handle it <laughs> in a that's way. Yeah, that's he, why no, he does stand up comedy. I, I mean, <laughs> if we're being honest, that is a little bit. That
1: yeah.
2: I have always felt at home with I, I go I go to my wife plays the violin. I play the guitar and sing, and we go to a lot of open mics. And our favorite open mics are always the self-deprecating stand-up comic open, open mics. It's the. It's just a good. It's a good. It's a good crowd, and it's well. It's interesting because talking about neurodiversity, talking about, about PTSD and yeah, and then humor as, as a way to, to manage that is, is certainly, it's, it's certainly a good tool. And cannabis helps with that too, right? It's, it's, it's so real though. Um, what I was going back to about, about PTSD is that we have documented research in humans. Um, and as a scientist, I'm going to be like, we need more research, but I'm going to actually take a step back from that and be like, you know what, let me just tell you what we actually have. Okay. We have research in humans that says that people who are diagnosable with PTSD, which means that you're actively showing symptoms and like full disclosure, like I I have PTSD. Um, and I've been diagnosed and It's active or it's inactive state. You can be in remission where you're not having like active flashbacks or any sort of active symptoms or you can or you can be triggered or activated and in that active state. Um, And there's been a study that shows that people who have been diagnosed with PTSD have lower levels of circulating endocannabinoids this means that endocannabinoids are the molecules that all of us in our bodies are making that are similar to cannabis like every single one of us like even the the super anti-cannabis grandma aunt out there next time you see them be like hey Hey, just so you know, you got tons of endocannabinoids right now. Like, <laughs> circulating. you got, you got just tons of them circulating yeah, you're around so you. so high
0: right now, you don't even know
2: it. Yeah. <laughs> you're just on the – I mean, yeah. One of the endocannabinoids is named anandamide for bliss because it controls the blissful feeling in your body. It's named after bliss. Like anandamide is – or ananda is Sanskrit for, for bliss. And um, it, it controls like pleasure – essentially for lack of like better word like social reward that you feel like runners high oxytocin like and it's super interesting because if you have ptsd if you've been diagnosed with ptsd um in these studies they found that you you likely have lower levels of these circulating endocannabinoids meaning that like you don't have enough like because of that trauma uh, because of that trauma your brain has like stopped making enough for for whatever reason um, which I don't think we fully understand, your brain is not making as many endocannabinoids. And then in response to that, your body, remember I was talking about the receptors, having 10 receptors? If you have PTSD and then your brain is not make—it's not making enough of those endocannabinoids, it's lower levels, then all of a sudden your brain's like, oh, I got to have not 10 receptors, I got to have 20 receptors. So those, So people with PTSD have also been shown to have more receptors in the brain, um, and so when you use cannabis, you are putting in molecules from the outside. They, you know, the molecules in the plant are very similar to the endocannabinoids. They bind to the same receptors. So you're kind of restoring that balance because, you know, you have lower levels of endocannabinoids, but then you use cannabis, it raises the levels. it it mimics them. Your body, your body thinks that there's more, endocannabinoids does that make sense it like Mm. thinks that you have more of the other one so that's the first way that using cannabis helps with ptsd the second way is through tolerance um that's i think i mentioned earlier i keep a low level of tolerance and that's because of ptsd um a low level of tolerance for me means less cb1 receptors (laughs) because if i'm fully if i'm fully, i've taken a tolerance break out to like a full year um just to see, I was very interested. You know, I was like, I need, I need to, I need to know, I need to like record all my symptoms and I need to see what happens to me. And I'm going to see how long I could take it. And I took it out. To, I didn't make it a whole year. Actually. I took it out to like mostly a year. Um, then it was, it was interesting. Um, and because withdrawal effects wear off for cannabis after two weeks, three weeks, a month maximum. Um, and it's, I was, yeah,
0: at the most, like, yeah,
2: yeah, at, at, at the most. um, And yeah, I mean, so, and I don't really smoke enough usually, I mean, in general to like have crazy tolerance. And um, I realized like, yeah, a good, a little bit of tolerance is very beneficial for me because if you reduce the level of CP1 receptors, like instead of having 20, having 10, that's restoring balance in addition to using cannabis to like increase those levels. So there's, there's two different ways that cannabis can, can really help um people who are actively suffering from PTS. Oh. And then the third way is that um THC specifically interrupts REM sleep or deep sleep. It appears to at least. Uh and that it interferes with dreams for some people. Not not for everyone, but for some people it interferes with dreams, which means that it, it gets rid of your night terrors. Um, which is a huge benefit to be able to I sleep.
0: love it. I'll just I can testify to this is like Part of the reason I like to smoke in the evening before bed is because, and I hate this phrase because so many people have made fun of all my friends. It's like I have very vivid dreams. And when I smoke, I don't remember them. And then I'm mm-hmm. not exhausted in the morning. And like I would feel exhausted sometimes just from sleeping. And then once I started smoking cannabis, I was like, oh man, this is so much nicer. But like I also notice when my tolerance goes down, uh, I remember more dreams.
2: Interesting. It's it's probably a CB1 receptor <laughs> related effect. Like it's, it's
0: so, uh, so there's a there's a
2: few there's a few other things that correlate with this too that I want to just touch on. So in case anyone who's listening is like, wow, that sounds like me. Like if you use cannabis to function, it's highly like it's highly likely that you are rebalancing your system. Um, so yeah, migraines, um, chronic migraines.
0: This is everything you're talking about. It's like things I, I have to deal with. Like (laughs) I'm I'm, sorry, migraines growing. Like I don't, Oh,
2: I'm really (laughs) sorry, but
0: cannabis was this one of the first things I noticed was like it, they started, they were fewer and far between.
2: Yeah. And like in severity, maybe, I don't know if, if you've noticed that or.
0: Well, if I can catch now, I can catch when like the early, early symptoms. And if I can catch the early symptoms, I can knock them out. But there is a certain point if it gets past that, it's like, I've just got to go be in a dark room till I can sleep it off.
2: Have you tried chronically dosing with like a heavy dose of CBD? No. Uh, Like, like, uh, (laughs) even, even, even just switching, even just switching up to like smoking hemp flower for like one joint um a day or like two or like i mean i guess it depends on how big your joint <laughs> how big your joints are <laughs> and like what um but like to mix in to mix in some cbd because um migraines migraine disorder shares a lot of pathology so so my wife has like severe and chronic migraines and had like a brain surgery and it was it's a whole situation wow. and um so i'm i'm like looking into tons of different things about about that and cannabis and um migraines help because it's it's inhibitory like it can like migraines are a trigger event something triggers your migraine you don't know what sometimes it's something you ate sometimes it's like a noise that you heard or like a smell or sometimes it's an event like a stressor in your life like something is going to trigger that and then your brain does something very similar to epilepsy it's really really similar um what happens in the brain like it's not exactly the same but it's, it's a similar kind of event where it's like this like wave there's like a wave which is why migraines usually like start wait they start they usually start and like move right they're once they're one-sided headaches and they move across your across your brain yeah they do um and it that's similar to that movement that pattern of movement it's your brain kind of recovering from that triggering event it's similar to epilepsy, um, and so some people with migraines have had, like, success with cannabis in, in many ways that are similar to how, um, you know, CBD can help um, reduce the number of, of seizures for people when you're taking. It, it does have to be a pretty significant dose unless you're using THC, but I'm assuming you're <laughs> going to use THC, so <laughs> I'm assuming there won't be a problem <laughs>
0: You're a very that. good doctor. You're a very good
2: doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, wait. Yeah. I need to wait, we need to start this by can we like put it in the beginning, like a medical disclosure that I am not a medical doctor? Like we we need We're to do that. No,
0: the, I, I think this well, is no. the perfect time to inform everyone that we to. we, everyone, like, <laughs> we oh, need, to, we need <laughs> to do it in the very beginning. <laughs>
2: Okay. Okay. Then you yeah. don't deserve to know. <laughs> <Yeah. Exactly. laughs> All right. I'm, a, I'm just. I'm a research doctor. Everyone. This is just my opinion. Like I'm an expert on the molecular interaction of cannabinoids and like the targets in our brain and body. So I'm an expert in that. I am not an expert in humans and no, what happens I think in that humans. Was clear. I think that.
1: Okay. Was, but okay. but <laughs> you should take what she's saying as fact. But you everybody... should take what she's saying. Eight. It's 100 <laughs> don't
2: question don't question anything ever don't don't, don't. ever question anything
1: <laughs> if it makes your body feel bad just push through and just do whatever she's. that's natural
2: um. uh, oh man i'm wondering you you sound like you sound like you have clinical endocannabinoid deficiency i'm <laughs> sorry, sorry to you're say the, the
1: second person on this podcast to tell him that
2: oh. adam and
1: jim davis told him that before <laughs> And, uh, I I and... have
2: clinical endocannabinoid <laughs> deficiency. I'm I'm sure I do. That's like, I mean, it's I think it's common amongst people who smoke to function. Like, I think that that's.
0: I've been. I know the. I know people that work for Willie and know him really well, Willie Nelson. And that was one of the first cool. things they said to me was like, "Oh, you have the thing Willie has." Which is like it doesn't. Fuck with you the way it fucks with this for what they did. And I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I've always, and I've said this to Mike, a bunch of people, and a bunch of people was like, since I've started smoking, it's always been like this thing where I was like, ooh. And then when you were talking, I mean, I kind of got chills when you were talking about it's the science of its balancing, it was like, that's how I, it, like, I may start crying. Um, That's how I felt when I found cannabis was like this balance I never fucking had.
2: That's how I remember the first time I smoked, I did get high for for sure. I know that like sometimes people don't get high the first time. I certainly did. And it was a fantastic, like life changing experience where I was like, this is what it must feel like. For other people to exist, like <laughs> oh my gosh, the world is so bearable.
0: What <laughs> like, I was in an alley in Bowling Green, Kentucky, when it really hit me. Like I'd smoked oh. several times and really enjoyed it, but it was like I kept pursuing it, and then it was, I was—I remember—I was just had this moment where I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm never not gonna do this. I don't understand." Like I was for like, sh- it, sure. I, and I quit drinking like. A, almost a decade ago and people i drank a lot too um, i have healthy appetites i used i used to as well and <laughs> and but it was like when i quit people were really like whoa man that's so it's so crazy you just quit and to me it wasn't because i was like oh i always kind of knew that this had a shelf life for me like 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 you gonna quit smoking pot i'm like oh fucking never no like uh-uh Like this is, that's, that makes me feel right. It doesn't make me feel good.
2: I, I 110% agree. And I think that the rebalancing piece of it, some people, and this is like where there's a disconnect because there are people who use it recreationally and that's totally okay. That's uh, that's 110% fun. And then it's, it is different though, from people who need it for balance. And I think that that's one of the things that, um, in terms of, like, educating, and one thing I'm really, really passionate about is just advocating that, you know, people like us who need it for balance, like, it's okay for us to wake up in the morning and smoke a little bit. Like, that's okay, because it's going to make you function. Plenty of people are waking up in the morning and taking antidepressants. Plenty of people are waking up in the morning and taking their medications. Maybe not even that. Maybe blood pressure, medica- you know. Yeah. It- Viewing it as a medicine and taking it that way has changed my life. I used to feel very, very guilty about smoking in the morning. I'd be like, oh, why are you doing that? You're smoking in the morning. And then I'd have the most productive, best <laughs> <Yes>. day.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's like, for some people, it puts them on the couch. And it's like, you know, for you, You pro- like possibly you don't struggle with some of the things. I mean, maybe you struggle with other things, but... You know, um, yeah, I never, okay. So clinical endocannabinoid deficiency, really quick, chronic pain, mental health, GI issues. The things that are most linked to it are migraines, IBS or irritable bowel syndrome and fibromyalgia, which is hypersensitivity or chronic pain with like no cause of chronic pain. Um, there are a long list, like I think no less than 20 something other pathologies that are like implicated, but not like as solidly shown as those three, like migraines, fibromyalgia, and IBS. Um, and to me, those three encompass, you know, mental health, GI issues, and chronic pain. Um, they're like, a, like maybe not mental health, but neurological, like neurological things, gastrointestinal things, chronic pain things, uh, chronic pain being mostly the immune system, and inflammation, and like your body's being able to deal with inflammation. and. Um, And then I would say another one that's high up there is like rheumatoid arthritis and psoriasis type things, eczema, um, things that are like inflammatory, like disorders that are basically flare, flare disorders. Let's call them like disorders that flare. Um, Many disorders that flare, in my opinion, have have a high likelihood to be linked to the endocannabinoid system.
1: It's, it's almost as if how an unprecedented number of people on this planet right now are dealing with autoimmune diseases and different things like that. You know, it's almost as if cannabis could i don't want to say cure because i'm definitely not even a phd to be giving out medical
0: information you but do like to say cure stuff though a lot
2: <laughs> if you're being we're not, just talking about the dry and cure cure, you know, cure the dry cure,
0: and he's cure not. thing he's not though a lot of times he's he's trying to I'm, cure the whole world which i love about it but not, to, not to be not hyperbolic is, i don't hey know that's anything.
2: that's a good that's a good mission statement all right
1: like <laughs> i mean I just want people to do their own research. I want them to go out, try no. as much cannabis as possible. Oh, okay, that re- okay. I was like, data. we've had enough
0: of people doing their own research. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man, uh, I the, the cure thing. Well, so the autoimmune thing, I'll touch on just like for a second. Like I was just I rant about this a lot, but um I studied inflammation that was my very first research topic and my very my entry like my entry into the research world and studying the endocannabinoid system was through inflammation and this this system called the eicosanoids system which is downstream of the endocannabinoids so this is like incredibly complicated little pathway if you want to think about it as like a family it's like a family of molecules or maybe we'll think about it as like a cluster so you have the endocannabinoids which i described earlier right these are the molecules all of us are making inside that are similar to cannabis now those molecules will go down a pathway in our bodies like our body will take that molecule and split it up into two different molecules right hmm. and then take that other one and split it up into hundreds into hundreds a different molecules. i mean this is like pew, pew, fireworks upon fireworks and those molecules that come from the endocannabinoids, they come and originate from um, what's called arachidonic acid. Um, they come from this big piece of the endocannabinoid system. They are in control of inflammation. They're actually the molecules that we target when we take Advil and Aleve. Um, prostaglandins are part of that category. So my entryway into science was, was through inflammation and studying um, how certain dietary fatty acids that we eat in conjunction with drugs, alters like these inflammatory parts of the body and it really stuck with me. There are two different phrases that have stuck with me throughout my my entire career. Like um, one was uh, from Dr. Bruce Hammock at UC Davis when I was working under him said like he really believed that inflammation was the core. Um, The inflammation was this exponential response where you're it's a threshold. You get past a certain threshold of inflammation and it's out of control. You're you're passing once you pass that threshold, it's inflamed and you're in a flare. And that's always how I viewed my flares is that I am like I am constantly trying to stay as low inflammation as possible because whenever I get above that threshold, I have a flare. I have either like a GERD flare, I have a chronic pain flare, or I'll get an anxiety flare. You can have inflammation in the brain. You can have inflammation, not necessarily like swollen ankle. Like don't think like inflammation, like like a swollen part of your body. Um, When I'm talking about inflammation, I'm talking about molecules inside our bodies that you you can't see that are being released that are called pro inflammatory factors and stress increases inflammation as does certain diets and certain things that i mean we we live very inflammatory lives yes Can I ask a question yeah
0: i raised my hand because i didn't want to end up. <laughs> I've, my parents are dangerous <laughs> and i was like this is good i don't want to interrupt it
2: very polite
0: um I recently quit sugar, like like processed sugar. No,
2: or just paleo. Uh,
0: uh, no, neither of those really. I just (laughs) me neither.
2: I'm neither of those either. Okay, I just I was like, uh, are you just, just are you just low carb? like
0: yeah well i like i do endurance stuff so i still need cool. like certain certain carbs used in like certain oh, fruits Lord. you can't take away or oh, like, but fr- just, but
2: fruits like honey also yeah, honey like fructose cool. well fructose is a totally different molecule it's only I've five learned, carbon it, circle like
0: and it doesn't your body doesn't absorb it the way it, it's awesome i couldn't oh, we're explain like, it. i not understand it I we're like explain.
2: super we're like super similar what type of endurance athlete are you
0: I've, well, I've, in two days, I'm going to try to finally finish the 70.3. Wow. I, it's the water. If I can get through the water, I'll be fine. But that oh water my
2: gosh.
0: is, we've been. You know,
2: that's my thing. I'm a swimmer.
0: Oh, well, I'm so
2: jealous. I'm, <laughs> that's, that's totally my thing. I mean, but I have not even yet compete. I've never completed an Olympic level try yet. So I've only done sprints. Uh, I've done a lot of distance swimming for sure, but. Uh, I love distance swimming, but it's cold here. So
0: it's oh, I couldn't. Oh, the East Coast is insane. Oh, it's but even, the water
2: I'm, is cold in California. The water that, is super cold. So. That's what
0: I was gonna say. Like even in yeah, we're it's in Oceanside, so it's, it's supposed to be kind of chilly. But I have a wet suit. That part that I'm prepared this time. The first time I attempted was uh, I. It'll <laughs> the be humidity. Honest. The humidity. Was, humidity no, that you. was the second time. The humidity <laughs> <got me. laughs> So well, that'll be it's All for right. a whole other thing. But what what happened? Yeah, what happened? Oh no, I w- I will tell you those. I'm gonna do a whole actual album about failing at the Ironman. So um, <laughs> because the first one, like, I had to get rescued. It was I was so unprepared. Um,
2: well, just going for it. People have told me I should just go. They're like, just do it. If you want to no, do it in your life, just sign up. You need <laughs> no. to. that's how
0: you start. You just sign up. That is true. Okay. But you okay. You should then prepare. Okay. <laughs> in a way that I did not prepare for the swimming part oh yeah uh, okay thought, okay I really thought but I how, like, stubborn so my the, way through this? you know the what what, what
2: really bothers me it. I oh I feel like the swimming is like it's not fair it's not a lot of swimming compared to the other stuff it bothers me ugh.
0: but it, <laughs> it you're you're right now that I've like trained and like yeah like I understand where it's like in comparison, is really not because you're not.
2: Yeah. Once the, you get... the running is a marathon. <laughs> like... oh, it half the hat. It's all half. Okay, I'm doing a okay, half. Okay. I'm
0: not doing the. Uh, but I told Mike I'm very afraid that I'm gonna love it and I may have to do a full one. Then that's my biggest fear is me really liking it.
2: Ah. Uh...
0: But back to the sugar thing. But the inflammation more than the that I really noticed very quick. Just recovery time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It was just. And it, it made me mad as a former athlete, too. Like, mm-hmm. God, if I would have quit this oh, years sure. ago, God. If
2: I, if I wasn't just crushing Chipotle and donuts. Like. And just, I, <laughs> yeah, it just, I, like, after
0: running, too. Like, nothing can hurt me. I'm great. <laughs> and you're just like, ah, ah, yeah. But then what I've noticed, too, and that was in the other inflammation, is like emotionally, uh, I'm much more even.
2: Stable. Stability, it's, for sure.
0: It's, it, it's, it makes it where you're like, oh, I can't really go back.
2: Yeah. I, you know what else? If I eat sugar sometimes now, and if I haven't worked out enough, my body hurts. <laughs> like, it's, so, so the things that are pro, well, I, I don't really follow any super strict diet. And I do kind of, at times, eat whatever I want anyways. Because, like, you got to live. Like, I mean, it's got to yeah, happen no, sometimes. I'm going to eat
0: ice cream on Sunday. I'm very excited. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: happening. <laughs> Um, but I will say that like gen- like generally speaking, things that are pro-inflammatory in your body are things like sugar and like gluten um, grains cause like pro-inflammation. And for some people, lactose and dairy products cause a lot of inflammation, specifically in the gut. And if you start with the inflammation in the gut, those molecules are like traveling all over the place. And like it's, you know, inflammation is, so, so inflammation is a threshold, right? You yeah. get and then you're, you're past that threshold and it explodes and then you have a problem and um, every little thing might contribute. So like, that's one of the, I mean, I, I genuinely like base my entire life off of the endocannabinoid system, like every, de- like not every decision I make and I trip up now and then like everyone does, but um, I, I structure my entire life to be as low inflammation and pro endocannabinoid, as, as I can be. And it's made me way more stable and way less in pain, like both physically and emotionally. Um, because when life is super painful, it is very hard to have a good attitude. It's, it's really difficult to like feel good if you are in either physical or emotional pain every day. And that's the first step is getting out of that. Um, and I think cannabis is a really, really great tool for that. And, yeah, but sugar and inflammation, thats that was where it started for me was in inflammation and the endocannabinoid system. And so then the second thing that stuck with me was um, by a professor in my PhD, Dr. David Gennaro. He said um, something along the lines of like, he thinks that most most of these chronic disorders like autoimmune disorders, like, like most of these things have to do with the fact that our brains and bodies and our diets right now are not fat regulated the way that they should be. Um, and to me, that was really interesting because the endocannabinoids are fats. They are omega-6 fatty acids. So I think people probably hear a lot about omega-3, right? Like you're supposed mm-hmm. to have omega-3. It's in fish oil. It's like, really? I wish I had my molecule. I don't have it. Um, the difference between omega-3 and omega-6 is just the location of the double bonds that are in these fatty acids. So if I, you thought you think about, the, nope. I
1: thought no. it was three. What? No. I thought it was three. I thought that. It was a shitty
0: joke. It I'm was sorry. so bad. And the timing <laughs> was <Wait>. bad.
2: <laughs> oh my God. That went way over my head.
0: No, <laughs> no <laughs> it went out. under your head. Don't worry about it. It,
2: went it went was head. way under your head. You're like,
1: I have a PhD. You just I, made a
0: math joke, you asshole. Uh, it was I don't... literally, it took me a good 20 seconds to be like, Is this what he's doing? <laughs> I,
2: still don't get, I still don't get it.
0: <laughs> don't. It's the six and the three. It's all it is
2: Oh
0: that's
2: all okay, it is okay 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 yeah. okay now i get it now We're i get it elementary. oh so you're a math nerd so you're
0: you're <laughs> you should not feel bad
2: i'm just not enough i'm not a numbers person i've never i mean i i am a numbers person kind of but i i don't i don't think
0: <laughs> no what you are is not a bad joke person and that's okay <laughs> <laughs> oh man
2: so fatty yeah.
0: acids <laughs> oh yeah.
2: well am okay i'm just thinking about like liquids or whatever like liquid fats so you know oils um Like hemp seed oil has a bunch of like olive oil and mct oils like people so like coconut oil and mct oil because mct oil is just like refined coconut oils um these ones that are liquid at room temperature they have double bonds that's what makes them liquid so if you imagine that these fats are just these long chains they're just like long chains of carbon like they're just big long chains and if you don't have a double bond then they're just um, they're straight and they're flat like butter and so it's easy for them to stack and be solid that's why butter is solid at room temperature because it's easily stackable into like a little cube all the molecules just stack one on top of each one on top of each other if you have double bonds it gets this little kink like this and then they don't stack as neatly one on top of each other and that's why they're liquid at room temperature. So that's like rule of thumb difference between like saturated and unsaturated fats is that something that is saturated um, will have, it will be solid more or will be more likely to be solid at room temperature versus something that's unsaturated. And the omega-3s and the omega-6s are unsaturated. So they are liquid at room temperature, like fish oil is often talked about with omega-3s. They're liquid at room temperature, and they are in general like when you take omega-3 fatty acids known to be anti-inflammatory now one of the reasons why that occurs is because it alters your eicosanoid and endocannabinoid system as well because everything is a balance and so everything in the body is a balance between omega-3 and omega-6 not the fatty acids themselves but when we eat them we eat those those fatty acids we eat the fish oil we eat the salmon skin you know we eat that it gets absorbed in our bodies and then it gets put into each and every cell it's in the membrane which is like the outside of the cell and it gets all of the fats that we eat get put into our brain cells they get put into our skin cells they get you know that's why that's why we have to eat fat like we have to eat protein and fat and stuff so that we can then you know make more things in our body our bodies constantly we're we're using them right we're making them so we're taking them out of our diet and putting them into our brain and then our brain makes endocannabinoids out of them (laughs) so our brain (laughs) makes endocannabinoids out of the membrane so if you eat different fats you are putting different fats in your brain and your brain is making different endocannabinoids and different molecules, and then you're going to feel different. And that's like one of the reasons why like specifically like low carbs or ketogenic diets have such a a very stark altering of this metabolism has to do with fat mobilization um, and using fat as your primary source of energy as opposed to sugar it's similar to like endurance athletes out there. Like when you get past that glycogen um, crash and you could just run forever and you could just go forever, and it, you could go for as long as your body has fat, which is a long time. Like for oh no,
1: Billy's years. never going to stop. I'm no, I have a friend,
0: <laughs> no, I get, I get bored. Is my, it's like really? I, I don't have like a, like I, it's running's never been a thing. Like a, it's always, it's, it's never been an issue for me. It's always just been like if I can find my stride, we'll we just fucking do it. But then I'll like you know, after 10 or 10 or 13 miles, you are like, okay, i I'm I'm gonna go fucking do something else. Okay,
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm done with my thoughts. Like yeah, it is,
1: yeah. It's like I've
0: cleared I've them had all. a brief thought.
1: I've yeah, had every yeah, thought. We cleared I've, them,
0: we're good to go. Let's, let's, let's make let's, some more. Let's
2: do it. Yeah. <laughs> But I no, have a friend, I... he
0: does those like uh, hundred ultra marathon things.
2: Oh yeah. I I've, I've got a couple I've got a couple friends who are very into the ultra uh like and, and just very into endurance athletes. I mean, I think endurance athletics are a way to modify the endocannabinoid system. I mean, there's plenty of ways to do it besides cannabis. There's like yoga, acupuncture, diet. Um just just like...
0: describing everything I do. <laughs> <But no. laughs>
2: I mean, there's oh, what about what about cold exposure, like uh, breath work and like ice bath and like I that do kind kundalini
0: of thing. yoga, which is a lot of breath work.
2: Breath work super important. You should try. Ice, you should try cold exposure. It's interesting. I mean, it's
0: I'm um, interested in it because of my experience in the cold water and how yep. like there was like parts of it where I was like I could see where, and then because in kundalini they really are adamant a lot of the yogis are adamant about cold showers and what that does and i've experimented with it and (laughs) it's one of those things where i hate that they're right about this i hate it
2: (laughs) oh i do too i mean i live on the east coast where (laughs) it gets really cold in the winter and the cold showers are like really cold but you know cold showers don't feel the same as um like a cold plunge like Mm -hmm. into an ocean because like a shower it's like you're being pelted with ice pellets you're like This is, like, not desirable. But if you go into, like, submerging yourself in the cold, it feels like compression, right? Like, the cold ocean feels like compression on your on your body. It's very calming. It's a different, a totally different experience. I would say that if you want to get into it, like like, the cold showers are, like, I do them too. But they're just not nearly as enjoyable as, like, being in a body of cold water. Like, putting your whole body in, like, an ice bath or, like, in a pond or... In the ocean just because like compression is so calming and um it's a different feeling than being pelted with icy cold <laughs>
0: yeah <it
2: is. laughs> we, we used to
1: do them in high school after football and i loved them like yes. it was like and then i read a story about what it feels like to almost freeze to death and i was like that doesn't sound like the worst way to go out it's just no, sort of like, like falling like- <laughs> asleep i'm no. like all right <laughs>
2: And yeah, then you you're like, tired, all right, right, taking notes. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, too dark, too dark.
0: <laughs> no, never, never. never. <laughs> nope. Oh man. No thing. Thank you so much. Um, will you come talk to us again? Because I yeah, feel like is, we've just. This is really fun. <laughs> OK, good. Because we were, I was just like eating this up. And I was like, I hope she's having fun, because I want her to come back, because this is awesome. Um. I have
1: like another eight things I want to say to you right now. We okay, don't... say
2: say four of them really quick and then just read off and
0: we'll do another episode later and need to do Okay,
2: yeah, say one.
1: So so okay, so to go back to flower um and the importance of it, uh, not to brag or anything, but my mom is one of five people who actually came up with v8 splash she was a food technologist for campbell soup for many many years and uh she told me about the process of it because you know me being a young cannabis grower i was like "Ooh, mom have you ever heard about terpenes and she was like well yeah <laughs> course, well yeah, I, well, yeah I, 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 but she told me that the way that they made b8 splashes they went out and made the most bomb organic vegetable fruit juice in the entire world and it was delicious and then they said okay now mass produce that so then they got runt just horrible carrot juice. And they started adding carrot terpenes into it to get the best you know, bang for their buck bottom line. And then that made me realize, I was like, oh, I always hated carrot juice growing up, drinking V8 Splash. And then I went out and I got some actual carrot juice. And I was like, oh, this is really good. I really like this. <laughs> So to me, that's the importance with extraction and making sure you're getting the actual source of things, because a lot of times it's just the companion effect and everything and everything we eat and everything we do is just getting the whole version that nature has done for the last million years, perfecting and making the best version of it. So.
2: I, I completely agree with that. And I think that that's like contrary to me being a pharmaceutical scientist. Like all of my formal training is the opposite of that. Like my formal training is about taking one thing like one single thing out of that and like making it into a pill or something and then like doing that. And I just fundamentally don't believe that that's right. I definitely believe that. I also am interested when you're mentioning like land race strands and like we could probably talk a ton about that. So we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to figure that yes. out again.
1: We're gonna see you soon. Yeah. We're gonna no, see yeah, thank you, you so much. much. I'm gonna email you
0: tomorrow and be like, when can you come
2: back? <laughs> yeah. Well we probably should give like your people like a little break between hearing me speak. I feel like I just talked to them the entire time. This
0: They're gonna be so excited. probably. Uh, thank, well, thank you. So well, thank
2: yourself. you so much for thank you so much for having me. This has been like really cool and flower is the coolest and the best and you two are awesome people who love flower. So that makes Yeah, three we less. should
0: I can't wait to smoke with you proper.
2: Yeah, so you're in Oregon and you're in Cali. You're in San Diego area.
0: Yes. Well, I'll be uh, in LA and then, yeah, the yeah, just because the race is down in San. Oh, the race
2: is the race is down there. Oh, okay, where do you live in LA?
0: Um, none of your business. He's gonna um, stop recording before he says. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh yeah, stop recording. Stop <laughs> recording. <I'll stop laughs> Record it. I'll tell you. That. That's <laughs>